Hello, my friends. Welcome back to Ordinary People and Extraordinary Lives. This is episode 181 of our podcast designed to help us experience the grace of God while living, leading, and overcoming life's everyday challenges. Normally, I open up with our little podcast, but as a friend of mine said, we're at 181 episodes, Lance. I don't think it's a little podcast anymore. Well, whatever it is, we are here together to grow as leaders, and I'm grateful for our new-time listeners. I'm grateful for our old-time listeners as well. Whether this is your first time or you're a regular listener, I just want you to know how much I appreciate you being with me each week and our commitment to be healthier, more engaging, more empowering leaders for those that we lead, the organizations we lead, the ministries that we lead. Today, I want to talk about the subject of leading from a place of rest. Leading, leading from a place of rest. If you want to know more about me, check out LanceBain.com, L-A-N-C-E-B-A-N-E.com. Many other spiritual-based resources there. Some wonderful tools, I think, to help you, as well as you can stream the podcast. And uh, many of our episodes, we've actually done notes before, where you maybe you could, some of the previous podcasts, you could also download those handwritten notes and use them for your own leadership teaching and working with your team and your small group or whatever your leadership context may be. So leading from a place of rest, what do I mean by that? I think this is a very, very important topic for us to discuss as leaders in a world of busy, in a world of hurry, in a world of bigger, quicker, larger, uh, more glamorous, more clicks, more likes. It's easy to lead from a place of busyness, a place of anxiety, a place of hurry, and not lead from a place of rest. So in today's episode, I want to talk about a definition of rest, some of the enemies of rest, and share with you some thoughts about what it means to lead from a place of rest. So here's a question that I have for us today. When did busy, quote-unquote busy, become a way of underscoring success or accomplishment? When did busy become a way of underscoring success or accomplishment? You know, I get around my friends and it's not a common to say, hey, how are things going? Yeah, man, busy, just busy, making things happen, busy. And you can hear that a lot. Do you experience that? I mean, are you busy? And when you have these kind of conversations, you meet a friend for coffee, you you grab a coworker at the copy machine, you you sit in each other's cubicle, or maybe you're in somebody's home in a small group and say, hey, how are things going in your life? Oh, yeah, busy, just things are really popping, you know. When did busy become a way of underscoring success or accomplishment? And it's not that we're not busy. I get that busy is a real thing, and it's something that's going on in our lives from our families, our relationships, our careers, our hobbies, our habits, our interests. I mean, I got to be honest with you, I'm so impressed by anybody that can write a book. A number of my friends have written books, and I'm like, I just want to, I just don't have the time to write a book. And then when I'm honest, I think, well, I have the time to write a book. I just don't want to write a book. So it's not that we're not busy or that busy is a bad thing. I think the question is, are we busy about the things that really matter? My good friend Rob Morris, who's the founder and president of Love 146, it is a movement for the abolition of child trafficking. And you can learn more about them at love146.org unbelievable organization, worthy of your support, worthy of you checking them out. 
He says, at the end of each day, Lance, I ask myself two questions. Did I love well today? And did I give myself to things that matter? Did I give myself to the things that really matter? You know, Rob is busy. I'm busy. You're busy. But I just don't want busy, in the name of busy, to become some check mark or some banner or some patch we wear or some thing that we put out there for people to say, yeah, I'm important. I've got I've got things going on, you know, really making things happen. Did you love well today? Are you about the things that really matter? And when you lead from a place of rest, you can gain the kind of clarity and understanding and really bring healthy energy management to those questions. You know, so what is rest? I define rest uh, from a leadership paradigm. Rest is an active life lived from a place of internal confidence, peace, and hope. Rest is an active life lived from a place of internal confidence, peace, and hope. When we're talking about leading from a place of rest, it's not passivity. It's not always physical rest, but it's an internal reality. Rest is a positive internal reality with external benefits. That's the way I like to describe it for you. So you think about what is my internal reality? Is it anxious? Is it hurried? Is it confused? Is it foggy? Is it distracted? What is my internal reality? Is there fear going on? A fear of professional fear, a family fear, a fear of something with my children or health issues or maybe some issue or problem has surfaced in your organization or your ministry or your church or wherever your context of leadership may be. Rest is a positive internal reality, and this requires a level of self-awareness. I would go back to really probably the late 2010s, 2009, 2010, uh, 2011 for sure, when I was seeing a therapist on a regular basis. That season of life, uh, when I look back, was such a powerful season on learning to be self-aware. Not just thinking like, oh, I, you know, yeah, I'm afraid of something. But no, go deeper. What am I afraid of? Name it. Why am I afraid of it? Fear is creating a, a picture of a, of a future that I don't want, that is uh, fearful, dangerous, unhealthy, uh, punitive, uh, scary. So when you can dig deeper to the internal reality, you can really begin to gain some self-awareness. And then when you learn how to manage yourself and align yourself with peace and confidence and, and hope and love and life and clarity and creativity and compassion, then you begin to experience the external benefits. I believe as a follower of Jesus, as someone who has been leading in an environment for a long time, decades, is that often our internal world creates our external world. How many times have you and I entered into a meeting and we just sort of hijacked the whole meeting because we're anxious or because because we had a rough morning. Maybe we didn't sleep well. Maybe we don't feel well. Maybe there are a number of things going on. I love what Graham Cook says about rest. He says, rest is a gift we receive, not something we earn or achieve. We don't think our way into rest. We lean into it. There is a peace that rises up and renews our mind. I believe that peace primarily is found in a relationship with Jesus. It's not circumstantial peace alone, but it is peace in a relationship with an individual 
because the individual Jesus who gives us peace is always greater and bigger and more consistent and more steadfast in any circumstance we face, positive or negative. And so rest is a gift that we receive. Think of it this way. In the creation narrative, God made man on day six, and then on day seven, God rested. What we learn from this reality is that man's first full day of living is a day of rest. Often, we think our first full day is a day of busyness. It's activity, it's work, it's productivity, get things done, go, 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 move, move, move. When in reality, life is better when it begins with rest. When we begin with rest, we have greater compassion, greater creativity. We have more access to courage and compassion and connection. We, we find that these ideas are more prevalent and more real in our lives. Rest is a positive internal reality with external benefits. Life is better when it begins with rest. So what are some enemies of rest? I just sort of labeled a few here. An enemy of rest is fear. Fear, I love this definition of fear. False evidence appearing real. False evidence appearing real. And fear is so powerful because it can make itself seem concrete and matter of fact. I wonder if you think back on a situation in your life when you really felt the presence of fear. It was really going on in your life. And when you actually see how the situation played out that you were afraid of, how many of your fears are justified? Well, clearly, there's no doubt that some of them may be. I remember my mom passed away of cancer in 2005. My dad passed away of cancer-complicated issues in 2013. Anytime my wife says, hey, I'm not feeling well, my first thought is, it's cancer, she's going to die. That there is a past situation that wants to tell me, what is happening now. Gratefully, by the grace of God, my wife does not have cancer. But fear wants me to believe that she does. And it's a false evidence appearing real. It's a real enemy of rest. Negative emotions are a real enemy of rest. Anxiety, uh, depression, sadness, uh, loneliness, these kind of negative emotions. Now, we're not condemning you for having these emotions or myself for having these emotions, but they're at war with rest. It's hard to be at rest when you're struggling with these negative emotions. The third enemy of rest is confusion. A lack of clarity, a lack of seeing clearly, a lack of vision in high def, 4K. The confusion comes in, confusion around facts, confusion around a storyline, confusion around why a problem exists, confusion around how do we move forward. Just an internal sense of confusion, even from a Jesus sort of reality talks about a spirit of confusion. That the enemy wants to blur things. There's a powers and principalities, forces at work, if you will, in the world that want to create confusion. Without confusion, you can't get momentum. Another word for confusion would be distraction. And think of distraction this way: distraction. I can get I can't get any traction because I'm distracted. Confusion is an enemy of rest. Betrayal is an enemy of rest. We start keeping all of our relationships at arm's distance because we know too uh, intimately the pain of betrayal. Past wounds. I just talked about in my own life how cancer was a major theme and uh, my mother's passing and my dad's passing. 
And I see it too often. And I have to be aware that past wounds want to cause an internal fear, an internal worry, an internal uncertainty that as that enemy, it is an enemy with rest. Isolation is an enemy of rest. I believe in solitude. I don't believe in isolation. Disappointment is an enemy of rest. That what we had hoped for and what we thought would happen doesn't happen. And so disappointment becomes a real enemy of rest. A good friend of mine named John, who was serving overseas, we've been messaging back and forth in social media, and I love this. He sent me this definition of hope. Matter of fact, I received it this morning. He said, I heard this definition of hope, and it's this, the expectation that the goodness of God can be poured out at any moment and the belief that it probably will. I love that, don't you? That hope is the expectation that the goodness of God can be poured out at any moment and the belief that it probably will. I love that. So these enemies of rest are enemies and eat at our ability to hope, our expectations, and our beliefs. These are real enemies of rest. What enemies of rest do you have? These are some that I wrote down. It might be helpful for you to take some time today or this week and just jot down two or three enemies of rest. And where are these enemies rooted? Are there past wounds, current circumstances, or foreboding? about the future, that your enemies of rest are rooted in. And then what do you need to do to uproot those enemies and so that you can really experience the idea of leading from a place of rest? Rest, peace, trust, joy, confidence, creativity. Some words I think go along with the idea of leading from a place of rest. Remember, we defined rest as an active life lived from a place of internal confidence, peace, and hope. Rest resists hurry. Rest resists falling into the old unhealthy patterns that don't work. Rest is a resistance to unhealthy hurry. Sometimes we have to be in a hurry. I get it. Those kind of moments pop up for those of us who are leaders. But it needs to resist. It needs to stand against in opposition to unhealthy hurry, unhealthy rhythms, unhealthy mindsets, unhealthy practices. Rest is so powerful and, and so healthy. And it's more than logical. It is more than logical. It's, my good friend Leif Hetland at Global Mission Awareness talks about living a life from rest or leading from a place of rest in our context is about sitting in chair number one. It's about leaning back and, and trusting in your systems and trusting in your future. It's about trusting in your people that you've got clarity, you've got resources, you're doing development and delegation collaboratively together, that there's healthy ways for follow-up and celebration and encouragement. And so rest, my friends, it's a posture of trust in your people, and it's a posture of trust in your systems, even while you're evaluating your systems. Rest is a posture of hope for the future. And it's a posture of peace in the present, and it's a posture of thanksgiving for the past. Even today, when I was leaving the place where I had lunch, just this, this, have you ever had this moment? It's like you enter into this other world. You've entered in through a veil into another place, and suddenly I was overwhelmed with gratitude, thanksgiving 
for the things that are going on in my life. Things like being with you today and many other things. That gratitude is an expression of rest and at the same time, it promotes rest. It says, because great things have happened in my past, I can believe great things will happen in my future. Let's lean back in chair number one and lead and dream and manage and facilitate from a place of rest. Rest is a posture of being yourself that assists you in becoming more. I love that. Rest is a posture of being yourself. You don't have to try to fake it and be anyone else, but you can be yourself and know at the same time that the current version of who I am, I'm going to become better. I'm going to get healthier. I'm going to get wiser. I'm going to mature in love. I'm going to mature in leadership. I'm going to mature in generosity. I'm going to grow in these things and grow in many other things. And so rest is this posture of being yourself, but it doesn't put a period there and say, okay, you've accomplished it. No, it says, but we also know you're going to become more. So rest affords us this opportunity. I want to close out today with a quote from uh, an acquaintance, Pete Gregg. Uh, He's involved in a 24-7 prayer movement. He just posted this on his social media site. I saw it on his Facebook site, Pete Gregg, P-E, Pete, and then Gregg, G-R-E-I-G. He posted recently on his social media, he said, quote, As a consumer within such a culture, I am easily consumed. It becomes almost impossible not to absorb some of it into my own bloodstream. That's why I have to detox regularly. Go slow. Jump off the digital production line. Go for walks to nowhere in particular. Lose myself in art, play games, discuss films, and read actual books. Pray slowly, in a less transactional, more contemplative way. Whenever I prize the prize too highly, its price becomes more than I can afford. I start to use people. I burn out. I worship production and efficiency. I start to believe that the end might somehow justify the means. But when I prize the process more than the prize, the process itself becomes the prize. Relationships prosper. People thrive. Interruptions are no longer enemies. Work becomes an expression of worship. Life becomes more playful. Even failure can become a kind of success. I find myself less distracted, more present. I'm a born-again human. As C.S. Lewis said, there are no ordinary people. You have never talked to a mere mortal, or in the words of that wonderful Dutch theologian and world-renowned doctor of jazz, Hans Ruckmacher, Christ did not die to make us Christian. He died to make us human. I love that. Thank you, Pete, for sharing that on social media. I think it's a great quote on captures some of the challenges and inspiration in leading from a place of rest. So here are some suggestions on how you and I can lead more from rest. First, be honest about how you're doing. This is a need for self-awareness. Secondly, ask good questions that can help you discover clarity and direction. Number three, insert fun and insert rest into your calendar. Number four, manage a peaceful environment. Make sure your home environment, your office environment, your car environment, the places where you are, are peaceful. Number five, solicit professional support if needed, a therapist, a life coach, a mentor, etc. Number six, do a food journal for a couple of weeks and analyze if you're living to eat or eating to live. Hydration and exercise are important. And lastly, make it a matter of prayer to lean into the rest and learn these rhythms. 
Hey, everybody, thanks for listening. Great podcast today. I know this is going to help you leading from a place of rest. Episode number 181. Everybody stay healthy, stay hopeful, and I'll talk to you again next week.